but he's been speaking through us through the team. And so I just want to say, let's start off with prayer. Father, we just thank you for this word. We just ask that you open up our eyes. You open up our ears to see you and hear you in a fresh new way. Lord, we ask for the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened. God, that you would just open up our hearts and let us just go deeper with you. And we thank you for this word in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said before, the message is called the fire and the water of God. And so, now the first thing I was wanting to cover was the different characteristics of the fire of God. And the first thing the Lord was saying that the fire of God came to be stewarded. That we are to be good stewards of his flame, of his fire. And, you know, I'm just going to reference the scriptures because we got a lot of scripture ahead of us. So, you know, God says in Leviticus 6 that he tells Moses to make a guilt offering. I think there's a little bit of an echo, if you don't mind fixing that. Um, He's like, to make a guilt offering on the altar. And once the sacrifice would be placed on the altar, God would start the fire on the sacrifice. But then he commanded the priests and the Levites to tend to the fire and never let it run out. Right? Yeah. I mean, he he does this in Leviticus 6, and he also does it in 2 Chronicles with, with King Solomon. But he says, you know, he says, tend to the fire so it would never run out. Amen. Yes. And he said, he is a command from God that they should guard the flame continually. Yeah. To literally always be on guard for it, to always pay attention to the flame that God has given them. Because why? We have to, we have to tend to the things that God gives us. Right. Yeah. It's important because what God gives us, it's valuable. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, in Proverbs, the word says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And I can tell you, in most circumstances, there's always wood to actually lay on the altar, you know, for us to walk in obedience and sacrifice for the things, you know, that he wants us to lay down. But in that verse, I can say that that fire didn't go out because of the absence of the wood. I believe that the fire would go out because it was stopped being tended to. Wow. Someone was ignoring the fire. Someone was ignoring the flame that God had put. And so God wants to say to us today to guard what he has given us. Amen. You know, to guard the dreams and, and the purpose on your life. The anointing he has poured out on you. The marriage he's blessed you with. You know, the children he's given you. You know, the fire of the spirit of God that is his burning desire to long for his presence. You know, and to long for the more of God. You know, the unsubtlety that's in your spirit to pray for revival, to contend for just an outpouring of his spirit upon like we are home, but upon the church, upon the nation. I'm telling you, God, he is doing something. But he's saying he's going to give it to you. You just have to protect it. You have to steward it. You have to feed it. Yeah. Yeah, because we, ha- we even have to guard the passion that God gives us. Mm. 
And, you know, and it's even that passion of even going out and telling people about Jesus, right? Because sometimes when we get older, we get a little bit mature, we can kind of, we can kind of get mundane if we're not careful, if we don't guard what God's given us. We can stop being passionate about telling people about Jesus. And it's because it's like, why wouldn't you want to tell someone about him? <laughs> he freed you from everything. He brought you into freedom. He, he gave you new life. He made you new. Yes. And so it's like, why would you not want to tell him, tell anybody about him? Amen. And so, you know, and the thing is, you tend the fire, you tend the flame by getting into God's presence, by being obedient to his word, by having a daily devotion throughout your day and creating an awareness in your mind and spirit on who God is, on what he and what his word says he is and what he's doing on your behalf. And so the first point was that God's flame is to be stewarded. The second is that God's fire came to consume sacrifice. So if we can, if you have your word today, we are going to be going to 1 Kings chapter 18. Yes, this is the Elijah story. I love it. So chapter 18, verse 36. All right. Yeah, we're going to go through 36 through 39. And he says... At that time, the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be made known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. I have done all these things to your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have never turned their heart back again, that you will never, you have not turned their heart back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And I can tell you that there are times where we have to just have that moment where we say, God, this is you. This is you. This is you. It has to be so undeniable that God, this is you. This is you. And I feel like, especially when it comes to your relationship with God and the relationship with the things of the world, there has to be a time where you have to lay it on the altar. And you have to let God consume it. And the thing is that God will say, He will make it known that it is Him. And everyone around it, the sacrifice, the watch, will say, That was God. Praise God. So, you know. Like what I was just reading, it's like we have a situation where the prophets of Baal were opposing God and his prophets. You know, here is a great example of creating an altar to burn the things of the world that will oppose God. There is a tension between our flesh and our spirit, right? And and our flesh wants to follow the actions and thoughts of our sinful nature. But God who has freed us from sin, has also called us to walk in freedom. And God calls us to resist temptations and to cast down strongholds. 
I'm saying like God has called us to cast down that's strongholds. Right, yeah. Glory to God. That, that's something big. Yeah. And then so Jesus, he's empowered us to be free if we choose to follow him. Yeah. We can ignore his, his call. But he invites us to come to him, to follow him. And you see, Jesus even said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves and pick up their daily cross and follow me. And Jesus, oh. Come on. They have to deny themselves and pick up their daily cross and follow me. And Jesus went on the cross to make us free. And offer a salvation. And you know, Jesus didn't go on the cross so we wouldn't have to. He went on the cross to show you how. Yeah. And then, so first, the fire of God, the flame of God came to be stewarded. Second, the fire of God came to consume things on the altar, to consume sacrifice, to consume the things of the world that we're giving that we're giving to him. Third, I believe that the fire of God came to bring us to heavenly places. Yes. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 8 through 11. All right. Is everyone there? All right, all right. And so it says, Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and stuck it and struck the waters and they were divided here and there. And the two of them uh, crossed over dry ground, him and Elisha. It says, and when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what shall I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elijah said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, is it, it shall be so for you. But if not, it will not be so. And as they were going along and taking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and of horses. Uh, it's like, of, it's like a, a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them and Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven and so what I am saying is that whenever I was praying I was like okay Lord what are you saying about the fire of God I know you said it came to be stewarded I know you said to lay something on the sacrifice he said yeah but my fire my fire wants to have a relationship with you my fire wants to take you to heavenly places he wants to take you to greater heights and the greater depths of your spirit and he said that he wants to show you things he wants to show you new things things that you've never seen before things that are in the spirit I'm telling you God he wants to do something new inside of you so now we're on to set the part four of it so the first fire came to be stewarded second the fire came to be consumed third the fire came to take you to heavenly places and now we're going to the fire where it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so you know, I'm just going to recognize in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist is speaking to Jesus. says, the one who is coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay, so now since we know what that is talking about, we can go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to go through almost the whole thing. We're going to go through verse 24. So guys, get ready to eat some word. All right. So, are you guys there? Yes. Acts chapter 2. 
Okay. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise that was a sound like a violent yeah. rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Yeah. Whew. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. And they, re and they rested on each of them on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And the, and the Spirit was giving them the utterance. Now, there were Jews living in the Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when, they, when the sound occurred, a crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. That was God saying that to them. God was speaking their language to them. He was speaking their love language to them. I can tell you, God knows how to communicate to you. And they were amazed and they were astonished, saying, Why are not all these men who are who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language? And to each of them they were born where they were born. Alright, so now I'm not going to read all the countries. I'm not. So we're just going to go to verse 11. And it says, uh, Cretans and Arabs. Okay. We hear them speak in our own tongues and speaking the mighty deeds of God. Yeah. Whew. Don't you know when the Spirit of God's speaking through you, He's going to be talking about the things of God, right? He's yeah. going to be talking about the things yeah. that's going on in the Spirit, things that's going to be bringing healing and wholeness to people. He's like, so they were speaking of the mighty deeds of God and they continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. But Peter taking his stand with the, with the 11 raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you and give heed to my words. These men are not drunk as you suppose, for it was only the third hour of the day. But this was spoken through the prophet Joel and it shall be in the last days that God says, I will pour out forth my spirit upon all mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams then even my bond slaves both men and women I will pour myself out on my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will grant wonders in the skies above in the skies in the, in the earth below blood and fire and vapor and smoke the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood and before the great and glorious day of the coming of the Lord shall come. It shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says the men of Israel listened to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and with wonders and signs which performed through him in your midst, just as you knew yourselves. This man, delivered by the predetermined plan and the foreknowledge of God, you nailed wow. to the cross yeah. by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to yield to be yielded to its power. And that's verse 24. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. 
God was saying he was going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh and signs and wonders are going to come upon those that believe, right? Yes, yes. And we believe that. Yes. And they were saying that some of the, this was one of those signs when they were baptized with a new tongue, with a new utterance, and with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And they came with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. So, let's go, let's recap the fire of God before we move on to the water. Fire, the flame of God is meant to be stewarded, right? Yes. It is meant to consume the fire, the, consume the sacrifice on the altar. Third, the fire of God is going to have a relationship with you. It is going to take you to heavenly places. Yes. And fourth, the it's going to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes. The, whoo, the fire of God is in the baptism of the Holy yes. Spirit. Yes. So now we can go over into the water. And so while there is a baptism today... I believe that just some of us is going to get baptized in water. Some of us are going to get baptized in the fire and power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's extremely appropriate that when we speak of baptisms, we should look at who we are being baptized after. That's right. So let's look at Jesus' baptism. We are going to go to Matthew 3. All right. Let's go to Matthew 3, verses 11 through 17. Yeah, I know this is a long service. Are you guys able to bear with me still? Yeah. All right, all right. You know, we just don't want to hinder what, the God, what God wants to do. All right, all right. So Matthew 3, verse 11, it says, As for me, I baptize you with repentance. This is John the Baptist speaking. This is, as for me, I am baptized, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who's coming after me is greater than I am, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. It's because Jesus only wore slides, it's okay. And it's like, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, his winnowing fork in his, in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will be gathered he will be he will gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. And so now we go to the baptism of Jesus. In verse 13 it says, "Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John and to be baptized by him, but John tried to prevent him, saying, "I have need to be baptized by you." Jesus saying to John, "I have need to be baptized to you." Is like, "And you do not come to me." Oh, sorry, John the Baptist said this, sorry. John the Baptist said to Jesus, I have need to be baptized by you. Don't, don't let me baptize you, please. But Jesus answered to them, permit this at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Amen. Then he permitted him, and after being baptized, Jesus came up and immediately from the water, behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lightning on him. And behold, a voice came from the heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. I can tell you that when you guys go into the water, this is the same thing that was directed to Jesus. He is saying that you are his sons and daughters. He is wanting to speak to you in a new way. All right. Thank you, Lord. 
And so that is the baptism that we get. Jesus, he is being humble, even though he knew no sin. He never sinned once in his life. He was the perfect being. He still went to the baptism to say, I'm going to the water. Because you know what? I was listening to one of my uh, old teachers. His name is Casey Doss. And he was saying that when Jesus, he's like, you know, he was studying the, the theology of the early fathers of the faith. And they were saying when Jesus came to the earth, he happened to life. Life did not happen to Jesus. And so he was saying, like, you know, just like with the cross, Jesus happened to the cross. He gave himself freely. The cross did not happen to Jesus. Jesus happened to the cross. He's the one that made, he's the one sanctified. He was just saying, even with the baptism, he was saying, the waters didn't happen to Jesus. Jesus happened to the waters. Jesus came so he could purify the waters so we could follow him. And so, And so, you know, when I was meditating on God's word and what he would want to say about the water, and he was showing me the first major event that happened to humanity, and that was the flood. And he was showing me that, it was showing me from another perspective, and he was showing me that the flood was actually a powerful foreshadow of baptism. And so, you know, the Lord was reminding me that before the flood, humanity had reached a point where all but one family, evil ruled in their hearts. Yeah. The whole world was full of evil. So in order to preserve the goodness of creation, God saved one family that still worshipped him in a, in a select few of creatures. And in an, era, it's like an, era, an era of creation had ended under the water. Yeah. It's like, but... He's like, when the, lo- when the water no longer covered the earth, it was a rebirth for creation to steward the goodness of God. Yes. Yes. Let me tell you, there was once where the earth was full of wickedness and of evil, where people were sinning, people were just literally mocking God. To, like, and it, like Literally humans were, you know, having relations with demons and they were giving birth. It was, it was really rough with fallen angels. Man, it was it was an awful time. And so literally, it was down to one family that he said, righteousness still lives in their house. Yeah. So because of the righteousness that still lives in them, because they honor me, I will save them. I will preserve their family. That's right. Man. And so the earth at one time it was full of its evilness. And then God had to cleanse it with the water. But when the but when the water had to be removed away from the land, it was a rebirth. It was a restart yes, for us right. to. Wow. It was a cleansing for us to steward the goodness of God yes. wow. and all of creation. Wow. And so, like when we go under the water, you know, we were full of wickedness. We were full of sin. But when we go under, we believe that God, he is purifying us. We know he can do it and he does it in our heart. But it's a public declaration that when we go under, we're coming back up and it's not the same because God did something to the waters. And so now we can see, you know, how the cross changed everything, how purifying creation to honor him changed drastically. 
You know, in the old covenant, we would see where God would wipe out like 99.9% of humanity to save the one. Yes. Or even with Moses, you know, God told him that he would wipe out all of Israel and start again with Moses's lineage. But Moses pleaded with God and the people were saved. But, you know, with with the cross, God himself, you know, he came in flesh. Our Messiah, the Lord of all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus, the anointed one, made himself our sacrifice not in order for us to be saved if we accept him. So what I'm trying to say is that in the old covenant, God would slay the many to spare the one. But on the cross, he gave himself up for us so the one that was slain would spare the many. And so as many of us know, not even death could hold down Jesus. He turned a grave into an empty tomb and rising in victory. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, one thing I really have to check my heart about, and I have to do it often, is that I have to remember that it wasn't Roman soldiers that led Jesus to die on a cross. It wasn't, you know, cheers from moms from people at 6 a.m. to put Jesus on the cross. But it was our sin. You know, that Jesus, it was for our sin that Jesus was crucified. It was our sin and our imperfection that led Jesus to die for us. And in doing so, you know, he took wounds so that we may be healed. And Jesus, being perfect, took on the imperfection of sin so that he alone would make all that believe in him righteous, sanctified, enabled to walk in holiness, making us just in the eyes of Father God. That's right. And Jesus allowed his flesh to be ripped open and to release his spirit from the body. And at the same time, his spirit tore the veil in the temple that separated all of humanity from his presence. And so we believe that when Jesus, when he was actually on the cross and he was struck with a spear in the side, the spear went all the way up to where it pierced his heart. And you know, and the spear came out and where, when it did, it busted some glands that it poured out blood and water. There's also, that's part of the water of God. There was a unifying that God was doing. And so if really with me saying this, if you haven't really caught on what I'm saying to, I'm going to make it very clear on this. On the cross, the wickedness of man got to know God's heart through our violence. But at the same time, God shared his heart by tearing the veil with all of humanity. And where we try to our while we where we try to end our relationship with God, he ultimately extended his invitation to come closer. Yes, It's like, you know, God, when Jesus was on the cross, we thought by ripping his flesh, you know, and letting him die on the cross was going to end our relationship with him. We were trying to end our relationship with God. But at the same time, while we were ripping his flesh, his spirit went out and tore the, tore the veil that allowed his presence to come meet us. So while, so while we were trying to end our relationship with God, he was actually the, extending the invitation to come closer. 
And so I'm going to ask for the prayer team and the altar team to go ahead and come forward. I know that some of us, we have tried to push away God and to fill our life with the things we know are not pleasing to him, trying to create a veil of sin between you and him. You know, we try to put a divider that God already destroyed. And so I'm going to ask if you want a close relationship with Jesus and you want him to be Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I know we did this before and today, but if if, if you ignored that call, it, this is another opportunity. God is extending his invitation for you to know him at this moment. So I'm asking right now, if you are here and you say, man, I just, I just want to be completely given to God. And I want my sin to be done away with. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, the master of my life then I want you to come to the, to the altar. We want to pray with you. Mm. Yeah. That's it's like, so, and if you have been feeling trapped in life, that, you're, that your life has been controlled by fear, and you, want to, and you want to get free, I want to ask that you come down to the altar. Because God's word says that where perfect love is, it casts out fear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And for a second call, I want to ask if you are wanting to have your heavenly language from your heavenly Father, and you want to have be baptized with the Spirit of fire and of power, I want you to come forward. We will want to pray with you. And then for, my, for the last call, if you are sick or if you have a wound in your body, we want to pray for healing. So I want to ask if you make your way down to the altar, we want to pray for healing over you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for the people that are responding. God, we are in right now. It's not too late. God, I thank you that you are doing a new thing. You are doing a new thing right now. Lord, I thank you.